You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, a Tuesday edition of Locked On Syracuse. Tim and Tyler back with you as we always are every single weekday. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Locked On Syracuse and you can find us your only place for Daily Orange Podcast. Getting you set for the football season here. We will get into and continue our positional previews today. Talk some running backs and a lot of interesting news in regards to running backs and some comments that Dino made that maybe sort of hinted that some of the starters are not showing up to practice or maybe opting out. So be sure to stick around for that. We will also finish by doing one of our burning questions, which I think will be a fun one this week in regards to Tommy DeVito's ceiling. And basically... Can he get to Eric Dungy level of, you know, storied success at this program someday as we kind of enter a big year for Tommy DeVito? But do have to start on sort of a somber note, Ty. It is we woke up yesterday. Man. Yeah, gosh, another one in 2020. And I'm sure many people that listen to this podcast have already seen this, but Big John Thompson, of course, the very, very famous coach for Georgetown and especially in the heated days of the Georgetown-Syracuse rivalry, passed away. I believe he was 78. Is that what you saw? Yeah, 78, and I believe he was supposed to turn 79 this week. So he he had a birthday right around the corner. But isn't that something? I mean, we're talking about one of Syracuse's most storied rivals, and we're talking about him on a Syracuse podcast. That's the impact this guy had on the sport, on the Big East, on just the battles that the Orange had. And Jim Beheim so eloquent today. He was on Dan Patrick. He was on Greeny's new show. And just talking about his friend John Thompson. It, it It's heartbreaking to hear the way that he talked about him. And, and how, how much he meant to him. How much he meant to the conference. How much he really meant to just building up. Not, not just Georgetown's program. But he meant a lot to uplifting East. everyone in the Big East. I mean... Without yeah. John Thompson, I mean, the characters involved. And the TNT crew last night on the the NBA pregame, halftime, postgame, they all had the towels over their suits, which I thought was awesome. Oh, that's cool. Um, but there was just so much that, that you saw. And it's very sad to see John Thompson. So many amazing memories with him at the helm of that Georgetown team. Yeah, I loved watching Beheim on the Dan Patrick Show and, I guess, more accurately listening to him uh, yesterday morning because he put it very succinctly he said he was the type of coach that this is extremely rare but he was the type of coach that you went to the game to see the coach right and that's how a lot of those and, biggies coaches were yeah and he was probably the first one like you said he kind of set the standard and Beheim discussed how whether it was him or Gary Williams or Raleigh Massimino or these other programs and these other coaches before them, it was kind of John Thompson who said, all right, like this is the standard that you have to get your team to unless you want to just get in, in second in the conference every year, basically, because that's the standard that he set. There's so many just absolutely epic stories you hear about John Thompson. And you think about the, the whole sweater ordeal that uh, he did with Louis Carnesecca in that uh, Georgetown-St. John's game where, of course, Louis known for the, that one sweater he wore and then John Thompson was wearing that same sweater underneath his suit. I mean, that's what Beheim's talking about. You came to see the coaches in the Big East. And you really can't say that about any conference ever. It doesn't matter what sport. 
it's stuff like that. And here's my favorite John Thompson story. You, you know the Alonzo Mourning story with the drug dealer? Uh, no, I don't. But Beheim told a good Alonzo Mourning story on the Dan Patrick show today. I don't oh, know did if he? You heard that one? No, I didn't hear that one. But so this one, so there's a a legendary or not legendary, I should say, notorious uh, drug kingpin who is named Rafael Edmund the Third. And okay, a lot of Georgetown players, you they you'd see them eating at the same restaurants as some of these guys. They intertwined a lot. They would hang out from time to time too. And like those aren't the guys you want your your basketball players hanging out with yeah but john thompson pulls this dude into his office the drug dealer uh rayful edmund the third pulls him in and says you are not to hang around my guys again or you will suffer the consequences wow how about that that's awesome huh? i mean that's just one of those things where he was a player's coach he stood up for his players he made sure his players were given a path to succeed. I saw today the stats, 75 of the 77 guys who stayed four years at Georgetown ended up getting their degree. And you hear the story, the Allen Iverson, who's been so great talking about his former coach, basically saying, this dude saved my life, saved his life, took a chance on him when no one else would. We all know Allen Iverson is one of the most uh, talented basketball players of all time, a Hall of Famer. And maximized his potential and a lot of that is because a guy like john thompson was willing to take a chance on this guy he made sure that if you came into his program you were going to leave a better man and that's exactly what happened and you see the proof in the pudding with that and that's real coaching if you can say that about your players obviously the on the court stuff is what we all love too because you know we selfishly really care for the product that our teams are putting out but when you can develop young men and literally make them into better people that that is truly what what coaching is all about and so a guy who the who definitely stood tie as well is he's got the most iconic line in syracuse history and it's not coming from a <laughs> syracuse guy when he shut down manly fieldhouse manly fieldhouse is officially closed that right there is powerful stuff i mean that line yeah. exists for for decades past since it's been said it's iconic it's part of the rivalry and, I mean, you and I, we long for the old Big East. And, I mean, John Thompson, an instrumental character in getting it to where it is. So, a, a tough day for Georgetown fans, but really a, a tough day for Syracuse fans, too. Because whether or not you, you like Georgetown or you can tolerate their fan base, you have to respect what John Thompson has done as a coach. And the Georgetown fans, I think, will say the same thing about Jim Beheim too. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So, Thoughts and prayers to his entire family, really, and, and a sad day for college basketball. That just sad times, but we'll we'll keep pushing forward. All right, on the football side of things, now we're going to talk some running backs here and get into our positional preview on the running backs. But I want to tell you guys about RockAuto.com. I don't know about you guys, but I know one of the biggest headaches, at least it used to be for me, is getting something wrong with your car because that ultimately meant that. You had to go to the auto store, and at least that's how I used to go about these things. And then you'd go to that guy behind the counter. You'd ask what the price is. He gives you a price that's somehow outrageously higher than you ever dreamed it could be, and they always seem to be ripping you off. Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore because we've got the solution. If you're having any troubles with your car right now or if you're just trying to get you know, some new oil or new wiper fluid or any of that easy stuff, Go to rockauto.com right now. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. 
and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything you could possibly want, very easy interface. And once you go there, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Again, put locked on the podcast network here in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and every single part your car will ever need. That's at rockauto.com. Obviously, we have to start this conversation with the comments that Dino said in his Zoom press conference yesterday. He was asked by Stephen Bailey of Syracuse.com. It's like Stephen Bailey had been listening to the podcast because he asked him, what is the battle like at linebacker and running back? Which is, of course, the two that we have started out with here in our positional preview series. But Babers elected not to comment, really. And I think Bailey sort of prodded him a little bit more on Howard and Abdul Adams, Jarvion Howard and Abdul Adams, who, of course, are the two main cogs right now, the two guys that we expect to start and get a bulk of the carries going into this year, and the two guys that we know the most about at the running back position. Well, we haven't seen any photos of them at practice, videos of them at practice. They have not done any of the Zoom calls, so I think that's what Bailey asked him. Social sleuthing. Yep, exactly. And Dino, in a very odd answer, you know, if if it was nothing, he probably would have just said, oh yeah, they've been going after it at practice and we're getting ready for UNC. Whatever. The common coach speak. Instead, he said, basically... It was, it was like he was asking Bailey to reach out to them and said, well, you've got their numbers, you've got their emails, why don't you contact them and let me, or, you know, go out and reach out to them and, and see what's up with them. So, I, saw, I don't By know. the way, did you see James Zuba's tweet, our, our buddy James Zuba? With oh, the, that was good. Yeah, a great tweet. He was like, <laughs> so, for, let's let's pull back the the media curtain here a little bit basically the way college athletics works not as much so in the pros but definitely in college is sids if you want to ever talk to a player you want to talk to a coach you have to go through the sids or otherwise you can start getting into some hot water with these programs not that the players can necessarily say no i mean they can say no to you or they can say go through you got to arrange this through the sid but you have to go through the sids if you want to talk to these players and uh dino basically puts it out there okay go go ask them so right zuba tweets all right so you want us to do the one thing that we as members of the college media are expressly told not to do like yeah literally (laughs) it was it was a a funny tweet it was definitely a a niche tweet i'm i'm sure people are listening and did not find that even slightly funny but if you have ever worked in college athletics media you totally understand that you totally get that and you definitely found that tweet funny so what did you take from that? Because I'll be honest, I- I'm very concerned that these guys are opting out. And if they opt out, all the power to them. But right. I'm saying from just a football product standpoint, that is going to hurt Syracuse a lot if Abdul Adams and Jarvion Howard aren't on the field. I-, I And we'll get into what is left at the running back position then. And I do really like Jawar Jordan, as we discussed a little bit yesterday. But I mean, we haven't heard anything official, so I don't want to right, come yeah. out here and I, sound like we're overreacting. 
But I was a little concerned when I read that tweet from Stephen Bailey. No, definitely a concerning thought that popped out. And and don't forget this too. Remember, Anthony DeBundo told us when we had him on last week to watch out for the running backs because there might yeah. be a couple opt-outs coming through there. And, and I honestly regret not pressing him a little more on that because when he dropped that, that was a semi-bomb, I felt like. And we may have let that kind of slip through the cracks a little bit. There have been so some rumblings too, I'd say. Yeah. But yeah. But, but when you hear something like that, it is concerning. And the fact that Dino kind of gave a non-answer is a little concerning, but I don't want to speculate on it. But if they were to opt out, this running back position is in a lot of trouble because you're talking about a guy in Abdul Adams who, while he wasn't anything extraordinary last year, he's a guy who he played in the Big 12, played for Oklahoma, and was a, f- a former four-star guy, one of the more talented guys you've got on your roster. And you have to capitalize on him. Now, he's going to get that extra year regardless of whether or not he plays this season. But he's a guy who can make an impact for you, as is Jarvion Howard. We've seen it with him, too, especially in those uh, third and short or goal line situations. But I've seen it kind of floated around. Well, Syracuse has never had a good running game, so it doesn't really matter. Well, that's why this team hasn't been very good these last couple of years. It's because they don't have a compliment to the passing game. And when you are up in games, maybe you let some leads falter because you don't have control on your running game. I mean, think about that Clemson game from two seasons ago when Syracuse had them on the ropes and then they went down the, the stretch and they couldn't win. You know, you want to know why? The difference in the game was running. Syracuse couldn't run the ball that game. Meanwhile, on the other side, Clemson, they ran a two-minute drill with almost exclusive run plays. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the difference in the game right there, is how can you control the battle on the ground? And we know games are won in the trenches, and the running game is a huge part of that. If you cannot run the football, I know we look at the vertical passing game, NFL, college, it's what reigns supreme. But you have to have some sort of running back complement to that as well. And Syracuse has not had that these past couple of years, and... It's alarming to me, not just the fact that they're going to be missing guys, but they're going to be missing elder statesmen for the most part if those guys are to sit out. Because remember, one of the big barriers between getting on the field and not getting on the field as a freshman at the running back position is your ability to pass block. And a lot of these guys, I mean, look at a guy like Jawar Jordan, 5'9", 172. Not 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 a guy who you you trust necessarily as a big-time pass blocker. You like his skill set. But that's something that can maybe hold you off the field. That's why Dante Strickland was so important to that Syracuse team uh, a couple years ago is because he was a fantastic pass blocker out of the backfield. And he could also give you the element of catching the ball out of the backfield, too. He was, I think he entered and ended the year as the active leader in running back receptions in the conference. So And, yeah, you also lose that in Mo Neal last year. Right, he was yes. great. No, absolutely. And, and Mo Neal, I mean, that's a huge loss. And, I, you yeah. know, I'm... I'm someone that is more pro offensive line means more than running backs in reality. And I've always maintained that maybe more so at the NFL level a little bit, but Moniel averaged five yards a carry in every season of his career. I mean, he was a very, very solid, reliable back and he never got to that 1000 yard mark, but that's something that Dino has always talked about. He brought it up so many times last year to the media how he really wanted, and he was really upset that he didn't get a thousand-yard rusher. And I think that goes back to what we talked about with Anthony DeBundo on how important the standard down runs and just getting a little bit more push from the offensive line to lead to a little bit more success. 
from the running game in those standard downs could be this year for Syracuse because their offense, while it is running gun, up-tempo, a lot of passing plays when it's clicking, it starts with the running game, and the running game is very important for the Dino offense. Right, and, and here's the thing that is worth mentioning, too, is the fact that what's the most expendable position on the football field? It is the running back, but I think yeah. while, while that's the case, that's I feel like that trend's more applicable to the NFL than college, especially in Dino's scheme where the pass blocking is so critical. That's not just something you can just sub in and, and pick up right where someone else left off. Now, if it's a, a different style of offense, maybe that's the case, but you're talking about a lot of inexperience out there. And one of the guys, so let's... Let's say that maybe they are missing Abdul Adams or Jarvion Howard or maybe yeah. just one of them. Wh- who's starting? It, it, I mean, you figure Jawar it's Jordan. maybe Jawar Jordan, but Markenzie Pierre, he's the guy who's actually gotten some snaps out of all these guys. I mean, you've you got Sean Tucker and Devin Flowers as incoming freshmen for this team, but... Markenzie Pierre, I'm, I'm looking through this right now. I think he's the only guy who's taken a, a carry. Of, of these running backs. That well, are Jordan be the... took some carries. Did he take year. some carries? 15 carries. Oh, so yeah, he had the, the four game exemption um, from, for the new redshirt right, right. rule. But yeah. yeah, so no, I'm, I'm not seeing a lot of experience there. And I always liked Markenzie Pierre. I was actually always surprised he never transferred from the program because of the fact that he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. He looked solid his freshman year. I remember this. He did. He, he didn't yeah. have the, the pass blocking element to him. So he wasn't, uh, getting a ton of carries because of that, and I feel like that kind of held him back. And he, he, if I remember correctly, was also one of those guys who was in the the holdover from Schaefer to um, to Babers. Dino Babers. But yeah. he also had a fumbling problem. Yeah, too. he struggled he, with ball security. Yeah, and sure. and that hurt him his freshman year, and honestly, probably stunted a lot of his development. And we see with Jarvion Howard, he's gotten the bulk of those carries now, where you're looking at a short yard situation. It's going to Howard, and and he's been getting those since his freshman season too. So, yeah. I the the running back position it's it's going to be a problem for this team if, if there's no Abdul Adams or Jarvion Howard because they're kind of your experience in the backfield, and experience is going to be super super important this season against a bunch of very very tough defenses. Yeah, Pierre would have to step up, and I say that because. First off, just to give you his stats, five attempts last year, six total yards. He has not had a career touchdown. He really has not panned out, and I'm with you. I thought he would be a little bit better when he came to Syracuse and everything. But now he's kind of your only standard back if if these guys opt out. That's how we're doing this, the hypothetical if this happens. It's him and, and listen, We're less than two weeks away now. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So we'll find listen, out soon. I, I don't know if Dino Babers was saying that as sort of a, all right, guys, I, I want a decision soon. <laughs> like we need to know if you're playing or if you're not. And I get that. And I I understand his frustration as a coach. I, I also understand the, the fact that these kids are making a super tough decision too. It's a two way yeah. street here. And it, I, I, again, I, will not hold it against, nor should anybody hold it against these guys if they do decide to sit out. I mean, was I saw some, it was either a running back or a receiver from Memphis is deciding to sit out this season, and he just made that official. He's had four family members die from COVID-19. All oh, right, wow. this, this virus that. has hit everyone so differently. And, and 
that's why you have to respect these decisions. You don't know what what's going on in the lives of, of an Abdul Adams or a Jawar or a Jarvion Howard because that yeah this virus can hit people so differently. That there are those concerns with the the heart complications as well that could arise. And so far, it looks like Syracuse has done a pretty good job containing it on campus. And I'm not just talking about athletics. I'm talking about the entire campus life so far. But it's been very good. It it seems like it's been pretty good so far. But at the same time, all that can go sour quick. All it takes is one bad decision, one reckless night, and that number can explode. And you don't know who you can be impacting along the way. Right. No, I, I feel much more confident about how they're trending, though, based on some of the test results that have come public, especially after making it f- through that first weekend. But last thing I'll say before we get to this DeVito burning question, I am the leader of the Jawar Jordan fan club, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast are very, very high on Jawar Jordan, like I think you and I both are. But he, let's face it, he's kind of a lightning where you'd want a thunder to go with him. He's right. kind of a... He's not a third down right back, now. He, but he's not yeah. an every down back. I think someday he could be your bell cow. Like, he is the go-to guy in the offense. I really feel that strongly about him. As a senior, I think he could break records. But where he is right now in his first real season of being the guy, if he has to be the guy, it's not great to have him. So the reason why I'm saying that is... You really need Marquenzi Pierre if those two guys opt out. And yeah, because then you're looking it, at a, a thunder and lightning combo. Again, it, it's not as yeah. good as what you would have with Adams and Howard, but at least the the principles are are still there, and you right. kind of know what you have with it. Yeah, but if it's not Pierre, I mean, as you said, then it's Sean Tucker, Cooper Lutz, Garrison Johnson entered the transfer portal, so he's gone. Marlo Wax, I guess, is someone we talked about yesterday as a linebacker. He was recruited for a little bit as a running back, and if you really needed him, he could come over. And we know Dino has given out the offer in the past that, hey, you can come here and play two ways, potentially, depending on how things shake out playing time-wise. I mean, even look at Cooper Lutz. He's listed as a running back right now. He came in as a a slot receiver type of guy, and now he's listed as a guy coming out of the backfield. Yeah. Now, all all I will say on that is, I usually don't care too much about running back, and I feel like, if anything, that position is overvalued. I love Jawar Jordan, and I'm still concerned. I still think if that news came out, that spread that was reported the other day about UNC, I think 18 points or whatever, that would probably even go up a little bit more in favor of UNC if, if we find out Adams and Howard, which we'll probably find out on Monday because that's when they will have to release a depth chart. Right. For, for injury UNC. report. Yeah. All that stuff. Um, so yeah. I guess I'll leave you and, and then we can head into some quarterback talk here. But the, I guess the question is knowing everything, you know, or any gut feelings you may have. Who leads this team in rushing this year? Man, so I think Howard would be my pick if he was playing. If not, I guess it's Jordan. I mean, Jordan will have to be the guy. And I I do think it's going to be really fun to watch him play. I don't think it's the best case scenario for Syracuse football if he is the only guy that they're like really pumped up about to have in the backfield. Because if Pierre was making progress, we would have seen him. And I know, like, I liked him too, but the ball security stuff, I mean, clearly he has not made the progress that he 
was supposed to make. They see him every day in practice. So I would be scared if Marquensee Pierre has to be a big part of the offense this year. I'm with you. I think it's Jordan. Although I will say this, don't count out Tommy DeVito as maybe being one of those guys. I mean, he might not lead the team in rushing, and, and but we have seen him display some of the athleticism. I will say this too. If Eric Dungy was on this team, I would be saying Eric Dungy, no doubt. No doubt yeah. he would oh, lead yeah. this team in rushing this year. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into that Tommy DeVito question and compare him to the E-word, Eric Dungy. Will he potentially, one day at Syracuse, reach the ceiling of Eric Dungy? We'll talk about that next. All right. Our burning question of the day. We are going to do one burning question to wrap up each of our pods this week, barring any crazy news that comes out, basketball related or something else. But The burning question today will be in regards to Tommy DeVito. As we said, how high is his ceiling? After what we saw last year, I think if we posed this question before last year, everyone was really, really amped to see DeVito play and see him take over a top 25 football team and the offense after what we saw against UNC, what we saw in spurts against Florida State in his, I guess, what was his freshman season, redshirt freshman season. But... With a bad offensive line last year, he was not great. Now, the stats were pretty good. So there's kind of two camps to this. It's, do you believe that the stats show that he will be much, much better with a good offensive line? Or did you see enough last year where you were like, I know the stats were fine, but, you know, the eye test was just concerning the way that he handled the pressure and everything like that. Where where do you fall if you had to say, Ty? So it is tough because obviously you're never going to succeed when you're running for your life, right? It doesn't matter football or, or running from a bear. You're never going to succeed usually when you're running for your life. And that's kind of what Tommy DeVito dealt with all of last year. But despite that, his accuracy was pretty good. Completed 63% of his passes, and I think the way that he protected the ball, too, was really impressive, especially when he's getting the heat every single snap he essentially takes. I mean, so you look at last year, or I should say 2018, he appeared in eight games through 87 passes, had three picks. Last year, he attempted 337 passes and only five interceptions. That's a really yeah, promising the- number to me. He protected 70 straight attempts without throwing, right? Yeah, which is the third longest streak. And that's super impressive to me with the way that he can take care of the ball like that. Because with most other quarterbacks, if they had the same heat, the same pressure, and and the need to scramble as much as Devito did last year, they're probably throwing close to 15 interceptions. Like, let's be honest here; they're probably throwing close to 15. And that's why I'm a little more optimistic. And I think you're going to see the arm talent because while all these different rankings of ACC quarterbacks have him pretty firmly at around 8 to 10, his arm talent is probably top five. But again, it's the can he add other dimensions to his game? Can he improve upon the rushing yards? Because that's something that he, I think, has in his arsenal that we just haven't seen. It's kind of like... Uh, a big man who we see sometimes who we know he can step back and shoot the three. He's just not given the opportunity as much. And it's also worth noting too. So he has 122 rushing yards last year, but you also have to remember this is the fact that quarterbacks, when they get sacked, 
those negative yards go against their rushing total. So take that 122 that you saw with a grain of salt. I don't have the total numbers of yards that he was sacked for in front of me, but I would imagine it's putting a couple hundred yards back on his bill. Yeah, it was like 43 sacks or something overall. So here's my take on DeVito this year. I am definitely, I'm, I'm optimistic about Tommy DeVito. I still think that he could maybe one day get to Eric Dungy level, although it's it's just sort of premature to talk about. But I guess if, if we had to answer that question that we posed, I'm not ruling it out right now. I will say this. I think his interceptions are going to go up this year, and that's just based on looking at the stats because according to Pro Football Focus, he threw 11 interception-worthy passes last year. And, and that's still a good number. Your, too given the amount of pressure that he faced like 11 i will say this though the pressure thing i think is a little misleading because what he did a lot is he just threw the ball away or he got sacked i mean when the pressure came he was very quick to just get rid of it and he wasn't as good at improv you know improving and, okay. and doing the eric dungy thing that we saw so much two years ago and really throughout his entire career so that's not who DeVito is. I think he's a very good quarterback when he has a clean pocket. He has great arm talent. He has all the throws, all the tools in the pocket. And he's a pretty good runner. I just don't think he proved enough last year that when the pressure comes, his awareness in the pocket and his throwing on the run is at the level that maybe we thought it was. I mean, honestly, it was it was a little disappointing to see how quickly he just sort of went down in the pocket a couple times. Yeah, there were and I will, Yeah, there were definitely some of those uh, moments. Yeah, the other thing is too, some of those interceptions last year were really really bad. I mean, I know we threw 5, but that Clemson game, he had one that was dropped by Clemson, which probably would have ended the game right there. And then that one that he threw after the turnover, the interception by Frederick was just right to the Clemson defender and that basically ended the game right there and was probably the biggest play of the season really when you look back on Syracuse's season he had a couple again I think he had one against Liberty that was like whoa where where is he throwing so he got better I know the interception numbers look really good I I feel like this year he's going to be a very effective guy in terms of touchdowns yards he's going to set all kinds of records in that regard because the offensive line will be a little bit better but I think the interception numbers will go up too because he's just not really like a super safe quarterback to begin with. He throws downfield a lot. That's why we like him. And he's got all this arm talent. He's going to make some riskier throws. So I'm a little surprised that he ended up with, with those interception numbers last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they went up again. So this year, well, I don't think he, he, he's not going to have the career Eric Dungy had. And that's even though Dungy missed a lot of time, he's not going to put up the numbers Dungy had over his career. He's already not even close to on pace for that. Although if he does get that extra season, maybe we're having a different conversation, but yeah, what I will say is this. I think he has the potential to in a single season do what Dungy did, but I don't think 2020 is said season because there's a lot of uncertainty on that offensive line. And when there's uncertainty on the offensive line, there's there's very little optimism for what success you will have in the passing game. And especially, I mean, we saw it last year. The offensive line collapsed, 
and uh, DeVito's numbers were not very good in, in terms of the, the quantities behind them. But I think he can't because I remember his, what was that, his redshirt freshman season when he was put in for Dungy a couple times, given some chance to flourish. He had some very, very good appearances. Now, of course, there's the yeah. clunker game in there of Notre Dame, but Notre again, Dame. you got to remember yeah. what did Syracuse give up? Like seven sacks in that game. It was. It's basically you insert that game. You could have put it on the the 2019 schedule, and it would have fit right into place. So, when he is given the chance to throw, he's got it in him. I mean, that UNC game is one of the best quarterback performances I've seen out of a, a young quarterback. Because he's poised, he didn't let the moment get too big for him, and he engineered a hell of a comeback, too. That was awesome stuff, and you're yeah. going to have to see more of those moments, but it's on, those moments are only going to come if the offensive line comes to play, and if the strides that they made at the end of last year translate to this year, and again, the injuries worry me with that unit. Yeah. I mean, his greatest asset is probably his vertical passing game, and you can't throw it downfield if the offensive line is troublesome. A couple no. stats from David Hale on Tommy DeVito, and I don't think he calculated these himself, but he tweeted them out. He said, yards per drop back when not under pressure, DeVito is 74th out of 118 starting quarterbacks last year. Yards per drop back when pressured, he was 117th out of 118. FBS starting quarterbacks last year. So I will say the yards per drop back when not under pressure at 74, maybe you'd like it to be a little bit higher because if the case is it was all offensive line, then maybe you'd like to see that number in the 50s or 45 range. But I, it was his first full year starting. I mean, he's going to get better. I think that's yeah. You would hope so. I will say this: if there is a, a cause for concern, even when the offensive line play was good down the stretch. He only had one game over 160 yards passing the ball. Yeah, he got uh, a little hurt at the end yeah. of the year, too. And, and that's like hopefully hopefully that's something that played a factor into those performances. Because, yeah. the, I mean, you look at some of those games down the stretch, I believe, did he get dinged up in that Duke game, too? And, and the Wake Forest game, he only yes, has three passes. Those were, the, those yeah, were Syracuse's Wake, only two wins down the stretch, so... So there That's are true. some concerning numbers. There's also some reason for optimism. And I think that Tommy DeVito is a quality quarterback. I just don't think we're going to see that super boom from this guy in 2020. And it's not necessarily his fault. All right, real quick before we go here. I know we've gone kind of long, but interesting question. Let, let's throw it back at you and just give me like a 15-second answer mm-hmm. here. How many games do you think Syracuse would have won last year if Eric Dungy was the starter and everything else was the same, but it was just Eric Dungy at quarterback and not Tommy DeVito. So kind of the reverse of our question. Probably like six. I, I don't think it, it yeah, would go up like that much more, more because, yeah, no. I Again, I don't pin the failures of 2019 Syracuse football on Tommy DeVito. I pin them on the offensive line. And if Dungy, because yeah. imagine Dungy behind that line. If he's getting wrecked in the backfield every single time, guess what? He's not playing 12 games. That's a good point. Yeah, he probably would have gotten hurt. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it would have been one or two more games. So I'm optimistic about Devito this year. All right, so that'll do it for the Tuesday edition. We will be back tomorrow, and we'll be discussing the D line. That is next on our positional preview and our burning question tomorrow. We're going to dive into the new coaches a little bit, and specifically the new coordinators. The question will be. 
Which new coordinator, offense or defense, will have a bigger impact in the 2020 season? So be on the lookout for that tomorrow, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening, as always, today. For Tyler, I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Manly Fieldhouse is officially closed. Oh.